It's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Today, you're going to be hearing from two very different brand founders with very different stories, but they're each thinking about how to make the world better, the environment better through a more thoughtful approach to beauty product. Now, Ciara Imani May, I am so impressed with her. She is based in St. Louis. We had a great conversation and she had itchy braids. Like that is what drove her to create Rebundle, which is banana fiber-based braiding hair. And she got the idea. She pulled together funding, spent a year and a half in development, and then made the Rebundle braids available. They're biodegradable, they're plant-based, and they have fewer than 10 ingredients. And you'll hear in our conversation what drove her to do this, as well as some of the ingredients that could be lurking in synthetic hair that I just personally wasn't even aware of. And we talk about all of the pollution and waste that comes with plastics in synthetic hair. I also speak to Allison Tay. She and her sisters, it's generational farm, right? So she had some built-in privilege, some inherent privilege in that her family had owned this farm. But her sisters, there was this spark when they watched their father, who was exporting fruits to other countries, to create a product around the byproduct, around the waste that was created from the kernels and seeds from the plums. And this was really interesting to me because I had loved and used the Le Prunier products for like two years before I ever even knew the backstory. You know, it was something that I organically loved. And then I learned that it was sustainable, which I think is also very important. I think that we need to get to a place where products that are sustainable and better for the environment, we're not making compromises. They're not seen as less than, it's not seen as like a downgrade or an alternative. These can be just as luxurious as any other beauty product. And I will say that the Rebundle hair extensions are slightly more expensive than what you're going to find from a synthetic hair extension. The Le Prunier cold press Plum oil is a bit more expensive than you're going to find from another oil. But you also have to understand, listening to these founders, that there's a reason why the prices are more expensive. And if we can buy more thoughtfully and more consciously and support these businesses, the planet will be better off. So I hope you enjoy these two conversations and I will be back next week with more conversations around sustainability and beauty tips and tricks. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're following along at Naked Beauty Planet on Instagram. And thank you for all of the love around the show. Please rate and review if you have the opportunity. Thanks so much. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, Solon logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, Sierra. I'm so excited to have you on Naked Beauty. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brooke. Thanks for having me. I have been so interested in Rebundle. Basically, since I heard about it, a lot of people also were sending me DMs like, have you heard about 
this hair extension company that's making like plant-based hair extensions. And I was like, I'm just immediately intrigued. I feel like I get a lot of inbound for like innovation, but I have truly seen nothing like this. Are you the first and only? For the first US-made plant-based hair extensions brand, really pioneering, in my point of view, pioneering what I see as the future of hair extensions and setting the tone for what I think is necessary in this space for Black women. Incredible. Well, you've raised $1.4 million for your plant-based hair extensions, which is an incredible feat. Congratulations. So I'm curious, how did you position your pitch to investors in a way that would kind of make them understand the value of Rebundle? Yeah, that's a good question. And we've actually raised to date 2.1 million. Okay. Yeah. So we took on more capital because I need to do more things. (laughs) But I actually didn't plan to raise in the very beginning. I bootstrapped through the initial soft launch. This is right off of the concept. Like you said, it's super attention grabbing, eye catching and like intriguing. And so I was inspired to like, develop this concept, put some brand power behind it, storytelling, get the product out there and find out like, is there a market for a different type of hair extensions? Because I didn't really have any proof that people would be interested in something like this. I knew I wanted it, but I needed validation. And so we had a lot of moments in those early days. and It was actually extremely overwhelming. And we would sell out in like 15 minutes or less. We didn't have a ton of inventory, but again, I didn't have a lot of data that would that told me this would be successful upon launch. So we didn't have a lot of anything. Once we saw some traction and how much people were just gravitating toward the idea, the concept, desire for something different, then I went out and raised. And so I had a little bit of leverage because I could demonstrate that I could get a product to market without venture capital and I could get enough people to be interested in the brand and the concept without any real marketing power either. My argument was that this is what I've proven that I can do with a little bit of money. Here are the things that I want to do with more money. Here are the ways that I think I can really tackle this space and be a leader in this space and a category defining brand in this space. And I think we're making a lot of strides towards that. Absolutely. So did you have personal experiences with hair extensions that kind of led you to developing this product? Yes. And when I think about the brand story, it really starts in maybe high school or middle school for me. I used to run track. I don't think I've actually told this story before, but I used to run track in high school. Do you hate running now? Yeah. Oh, I never run (laughs) unless I have to. Literally never. I never run. Because traumatized me. Like I will never run for fun. Oh my gosh. Yes. Get it. Okay. A little bit of trauma from just working out for track too. Like I never run on a treadmill. I'm not lifting weights. Like I'm not doing that anymore. But in high school, like that was my thing. I was a track runner and I used to get, you know, protective styles. And I remember one style in particular was mad heavy on my head. And I, I have a little body now, I had a smaller body then. It was super heavy on my head. And it also like broke me out after a meet, like around my face, my neck. And I remember my head being super itchy. And that was an experience I was just like, this sucks. I just remember thinking like, this sucks. What am I going to do with my hair for the rest of the season? And Fast forward to several years later when I was working my first full-time job, I just come off of having a fade. I'd gone through every stage of of hair that I could. And I was like, all right, I've done the fade. I'm going to grow my hair out and wear braids. And that back-to-back install takedown experience was like super eye-opening for me because it, one, reminded me of that experience all those years ago running track. But also, I was working my first-time job and I didn't want to do my hair. And so I'm like, if I can't wear braids, then how am I going to get to work on time? (laughs) So... I need to figure out a solution to keep wearing my hair in braids both comfortably and then thereafter sustainably. I love that. 
And, you know, the itchiness, the heaviness, these are all things, correct me if I'm wrong, that are coming from the actual synthetic hair and the processes the synthetic hair goes to to make it braiding hair. What do you think not a lot of people who get their hair braided and add synthetic hair to their braids, what don't people know about what's in that hair? Right. So this was the like eye-opening moment for me. I had questions about the hair in general. Why is it making my scalp itch? And also, what is it made out of? So I sent it to a lab when I was living in North Carolina and got two brands sampled. And they sent me back an analysis and said, A to Z is in each of these products. And I had someone else interpret it for me because I'm not a scientist. And I was like, what are these things? One of the brands in particular, a very popular brand, the main ingredient is polyvinyl chloride. And they were like, do you know what polyvinyl chloride is in? And I'm like, no, enlighten me. They're like, it's in piping. It's in industrial materials. It's in a bunch of random things that didn't make sense for it to be in my hair that summer. Wow. Which brand? Expression. Expression, which is one of the most... I've used Expression hair before. It's very widely used. One of the biggest brands. I don't want to interrupt you here because I do want to hear more. But after you talk about the like what's in it, I'd also like to get your point of view about like washing with apple cider vinegar and all of that because people do that yes, to counteract. Yes. Okay, but please continue. What else did you find was in this hair? One of the other key ingredients that stood out to me was animal meat fat. Mind you, this analysis only told me what was in it. It can't tell me why. Only the manufacturer could tell me the use. Or we can make an educated guess, but animal meat fat was in it. There were some emulsifiers and phthalate. Uh, I don't remember the specific chemical, but things that are commonly avoided in our skincare products now, in our hair care products. And I was like, why is no one paying attention to what is in our hair extension? Is it because of the way that they're distributed? Is it because of the way it's packaged? I just was like, why am I, why do I feel like I'm the only person in the world that knows what's in these hair extension products other than the manufacturers? And I just felt, it felt dirty and it felt wrong. And so, of course, in my initial research, you know, of like, why is my hair itch? What should I do about it? My, my scalp itch. Lots of people were doing the ACV method. And I just didn't think that was a good enough solution. It, it made me feel like my experience was sort of cheap and disposable. And I have to buy this product. Mind you, synthetic hair isn't that expensive, but expression is like six bucks a pack. I buy all this hair. I got to go buy a bottle of apple cider, apple cider vinegar. I got to set aside extra time before my install, wash it, hope it doesn't mat up, hope it doesn't stink, and then hope that that braider is still going to use it. It just literally felt too cheap and not something that I was willing to do and didn't see that a lot of people or majority of people were having positive experiences with that extra step. Not a lot of assurances. We shouldn't have to go through all of that just to have our hair braided. I have used synthetic hair. I do not go through all of the washing and apple cider vinegar because I haven't had a bad reaction to it. It's been fine for me. But I do think the other part of this is the impact to the environment, right? I think one of the things that is really unique about Rebundle is it's biodegradable. How else does Rebundle kind of positively impact the environment? One more thing before I move on to the environment, because I think your point is a valid one. Not everyone is going to experience a topical reaction to plastic synthetic hair. We estimate one in three will. But what I will say and what I think is worth mentioning is your skin is the largest organ on your body. It's absorbing the chemicals that are in those products that sit on your scalp. So while you may not be reacting externally or topically, we don't really know what is happening to our bodies from a chemical standpoint, the absorption from the products sitting on our scalp for weeks at a time. And I think that was the more scary and sinister part. What else is this doing to my body that I 
I'm not aware of or may not be directly attributing to health impacts that I maybe am experiencing right now or will experience in the future? I think that's a big question mark that needs to be answered. Yes. I'm so happy you brought that up because I think about pads. I had a very eye-opening conversation with the founder of Rael, which is a period care brand that was inspired by period care in Korea. And it's like, even in pads, that cotton liner, a lot of the mainstream brands have plastic over it. And these are like microplastics that essentially if you're wearing a pad all day, you're absorbing into your body. And braids are in for a lot longer than a single pad, right? Yeah. <laughs> you really raise a, a wonderful point there. So in addition to it better for your body overall, how, does, how else does Rebundle positively impact the environment? So with the environment, I look at it from two approaches. One, directly with our product and another one indirectly through this change that I want to see in the industry. Our products are, the main ingredient is banana fiber, all safe and non-toxic ingredients and biodegradable ingredients as well. So after you're done with the hair, you can take it out and literally compost it, which was super important to me as I was researching alternative materials because I didn't want to contribute to plastic pollution in the way that was you know already happening with the standard products. And so that's a key differentiator and one that's super important. But again, I really want to make sure that we identify with the human experience, which is how the hair feels on your scalp. And it feels a lot better, no itch compared to the plastic. And the added bonus, you can compost it when you're done. The other way that we take care of the environment and sort of do our part is we have a recycling program for plastic synthetic hair. Again, dating back to my original sort of thesis of, of how am I going to continue to wear hair extension in general. And when I learned about how difficult the plastics industry is, it was just important for me to have a solution for those who either choose to continue to wear plastic products or are not ready to make the switch, can't afford to make the switch for a number of reasons. At least they can still choose sustainability. They can still choose sustainability and join that program. The pricing aspect though, there is a pretty steep jump, right? So one pack of your traditional synthetic braiding hair, $4, $5, $6. That same amount with Rebundle is priced around 40. 45 to 50. 45 to 50. So there is that kind of jump in price, which I do think is absolutely worth it. But what kind of feedback have you had from customers? Has there been anything that surprised you? Have there been people that have stretched their budget to try it? And then they're like so happy with the results. What do you hear from people that get to experience your hair? The pricing was difficult and I lost sleep about it for a while because I wanted it to be accessible. I understand how inaccessible, better for you, better for the environment products can be. But then we found ourselves in the exact same position of how do we produce a high quality product that people can enjoy? It was difficult to come up with a price point, but we've looked at all of the factors that do make it better. We make it right here in St. Louis in the States. We employ majority Black women and all women team to hand make the products too. We're very diligent about our sourcing of all the ingredients. We do all the packaging made out of paper and recyclable materials. So all those things have a price point and they add up. And so at the end of the day, the value that we're providing is worth it. And when people tell us about their experience or we see the installation, the common denominator is not one single person that said, I've had an adverse reaction. My scalp is still itching. I'm not having a good experience because of the way the product feels on my scalp. And I think that is attributed to the human experience that I keep at the center. Anything else is just an added benefit. All the colors we can make, the different lengths that people ask us for, the texture, we make a standard texture, which feels 
very akin to human hair, like your human hair, rather than like a, a silky synthetic. All those things are important needs that customers have said to us. But at its core, we're meeting and exceeding expectations around how it feels to wear the product. That's amazing. What feedback have you had from hair breeders? It varies. Braiders are definitely gatekeepers in the space for good reasons, lots of good reasons. Like we trust our hairstylists. We should trust them. We should feel confident in the choices that they make. I think where we have found a steep learning curve and where some braiders get hung up is they're used to one thing and they don't want to move from that because it's tried and true and they know it works. But we have to challenge that because it's like, it's working for who? Working for you as the braider and the installer, or is it working for the customer who just paid you three, $400 and is taking it out three days later? So we have to get them to be bought into a positive experience for them, as well as the end user and meeting their needs as much as possible too. We've heard really good things like if a certain braider has eczema or issues on their hands that the product does not irritate their hands, doesn't cut their fingers, do any of that. It doesn't tangle. So I know some plastic hair is a lot stringier and harder to like comb through and separate. It's easy to separate. You can still dip it. It's so lightweight too. It's, it's extremely so lightweight. lightweight. At the end of the day, it looks the same, which was also the main goal. Even if it feels different to the touch, because it does, it's not as silky as a plastic. It still installs and look how you would expect a braiding style to look. Yes. And you can dip it in hot water and it kind of reacts the same. It doesn't melt like the plastic. So we have a lot of education around like best practices for sealing the ends, for finishing it, for, to make it look as pristine as possible. Because I think one thing that plastic hair does do, it melts because it's plastic. Our plants are not going to melt in the same way. But we have other techniques and tricks to get as tidy as possible. Wonderful. So how do you finish the hair? We suggest a couple of things. Trimming your flyaways and not burning them. I don't know if a lot of braiders still burn them, but shouldn't be doing that anyway. So definitely recommend to trim your flyaways, braid down as far as down as possible. I like mine braided down with like maybe this much hair left unbraided on the ends. I like to secure it with a knot because I like the way it looks. And then you can seal it with, if you choose to dip, we have like a dip if you please motto. But if you do, or if you don't, still put a mousse and a serum on there, like a vegetable glycerin, also biodegradable or something similar. You can flat iron the ends if you want because it's heat resistant. You can curl them if you want with a curling iron or a flexi rod dipped in hot water. It's a lot more versatile than plastic synthetic hair. I can't wait to try mine. I know I told you my braider was like a little bit intimidated with the style I was doing, but I'm excited to try it. And I do think that this is the future of where the conversation needs to go. Where do you see the sustainability conversation growing as it relates to Black women and our beauty choices? That's a good question. I think that beauty is scrutinized heavily for how much waste is created and for good reason. There's a lot of waste created from beauty products. And there's also been a lot of good strides made towards eliminating a lot of that waste, whether it be by packaging or the ingredients where they're being sourced. And I think eventually, or maybe we're already there, sustainability becomes this table stakes for a lot of brands. And so we'll have to like peel back the layers and really get specific about what is considered sustainable in the long run? Because beyond just the simple packaging, like what more could be sustainable? Is it the actual production process? Is it the manufacturing process? Is it the end of life plan? I think the end of life plan is going to be key here. 
what type of circular solutions can be created for different beauty products? Will more products become biodegradable? Like I know there's some interesting brands doing like randomly cool shit. Like there's a biodegradable glitter company. There are biodegradable stickers, face stickers and stuff. Like there are things happening in innovative ways that plant materials are being leveraged and and regenerative materials are being leveraged. And I think that will be the definition of sustainable in the future. Like the way hair extensions, maybe all hair extensions should be biodegradable. I don't know. I don't think it's that far-fetched. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, you see footage of like landfills and it just breaks your heart to think about how much of our garbage is dumped and oftentimes dumped in countries that where they don't have as much economic power, right? It's kind of like an abuse in a way, like an international abuse of other people's environments. That and even like our own backyards, like landfills in the U.S. are primarily in or near communities of color. We're more at risk. We're being exposed to more of those things. So not only are we exposed to the chemicals in the hair once we're wearing it, then we're exposed to it again once it's sitting in a landfill that's six miles from your house. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's so much to do. One of the questions I'm asking everyone is, which ways are you trying to be more sustainable in your everyday life? Are there like other eco-friendly products? Do you time your showers? Like, What, what else are you doing <laughs> to kind of... Because for me, it's like a daily practice. It's a daily practice. And it's for me, a learning and unlearning. There are a lot of things that I do that aren't sustainable. I want to be better. And I try to make very small changes where I can, but I know there's so much more I can do. So I would love to be inspired by anything you've done to kind of live a more sustainable life. That's that's really funny. Small choices are like, honestly, the best that many of us can do because the big choices that need to be made have to happen at a legislative level about like quality of life, how we live on a day-to-day basis. But for me, I feel like And I don't think I'm wrong in saying this either. I know that I consider the environmental impact with nearly every decision I make about anything that I do, anything that I purchase, places that I go, places that I choose to stay. And it's kind of ingrained in me now. That doesn't go to say that I make the right choice every single time. But I'm at least considering if I do this, if I buy this, what is the environmental impact? For example, while I was in Belize just last week, we took a small plane to like a different part of the country from one island to another. And I asked the pilot, I said, what is the environmental impact of flying this small plane 15 minutes each way versus a big plane, like the plane that I took here to get to the country from the States? And he said, it's not nearly the same. They're they're both not great, but they're not nearly the same. And I still took that flight. But those are the type of questions that I'm interested in because if there is a solution. I'm interested in that solution. If there's something different that I can do, I would like to do that. That's such a powerful framework to consider purchasing decisions by. One of the small things I've done is I started like bundling orders on Amazon, which I know it's like Amazon, yikes. That's that's not who you want to go to if you want to support sustainable options. But when I do as a mother, there's certain things I just like have to order quickly. And I try to just like bundle things, right? Like not get like one or two Mm -hmm. things in an order. Try to bundle as many things as possible, which is a very small thing. But again, these small choices add up. Small choices. Yep. I think about it with, so I have a dog. I don't have any kids, but I have a dog. The bags that I use to pick up his poop, the toys that I buy him, the bedding that he has, like all those things. If I can make a better choice, I will. Even if it costs me a couple more dollars, so be it. Yes. Have you found any good like dog brands that are plastic free and better for the environment? I don't know the name of this brand off the top of my head. I think it's somewhere here in my office, but there is a 
poop bag that's made out of paper instead of the plastic bags. Wow. Okay. There's also toys at PetSmart that are made out of recycled materials. They tear them up anyway and you can return them. Even the furniture in my office, I have this pillowcase that I got from a company called Verloop. And it's made out of excess fabrics and materials, giving scraps a second life or a life in general. I love that. Anytime we can help the environment is a good thing. Final question for you. When do you feel most beautiful? When do I feel most beautiful? Mm, Always when my hair is done. (laughs) Braided or straight. I do wear it straight quite a bit. I'm done with straight hair for the season. I'm back in braids for the next couple of months. But particularly when my hair is done, I really like to dress comfortably. So I don't have to be too buttoned up, but still like look stylish while doing it. If my hair is done and I can be comfortably dressed. I think that's when, and when I'm like in my element at work, like I, I feel good when I can talk about what gets me excited in the hair extension space and connecting with other beauty founders. I feel really good. I feel really powerful and really, really beautiful when I'm like dressed comfortably, my hair is done and I'm with other founders. <laughs> yes. And founders have was like a unique struggle, that passion that just drives you above all rational reason, right? You've got to have that thing that you're like, I need to be this change in the world that I want to see. I need to get this product to as many people and I'm just going to keep working and working and working at it. I am so excited to see how Rebundle grows. And I think that the work that you're doing is truly amazing and inspiring. And I'm thrilled that you gave your time to talk to me here on Naked Beauty. Yeah, thank you, Brooke. I'm excited to see you in your braids. Let me know when you're ready for that appointment. I will come walk your braid or through it personally if I have to. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Isn't Ciara just so inspiring? I love, love, love hearing her story so much. And I am very excited to use the Rebundle hair. It came, it arrived. It feels very lightweight. The colors are gorgeous. I just need to find a braider who's confident that they can do it. And I would encourage you, if you braid your own hair, especially, definitely try Rebundle. Really, really wonderful product. I will link to it in the show notes. Let's get into my conversation with Allison Tay, one of the three sisters behind Le Premier, a brand that I have loved and used for years. Hi, Allison. Welcome to Naked Beauty. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. 
And I'm just like such a fan of your plum oil, the Le Prunier plum oil. It's one of the only products that I feel like I have used consistently since the day I discovered it because it's just so good. And it always just finds a place in my beauty routine. Thank you. Honestly, that means so much. I know you, you're sent so many different products and you've been such a supporter of our brand. So it means the world and very happy to be on today. Yes. Talk to us just a little bit about Le Prunier before we get into the incredible story of how it was founded in the background, but like, just where are you at now as a business? Oh gosh, so much has happened. I feel like the last five years have been a grind. It's fun starting a self-funded business and working with my sisters. They're my best friends. It's really exciting and it varies every day. But you know, for 2023, we're really excited about our next launch. It's going to be a new category for us, hopefully coming out in June. So stay tuned for some updates on that. You know, I'm super proud of my older sister for she handles most of the R&D and the science and she really digs into the ingredients and the byproducts on the farm. So yeah, all of like the ethos and kind of our North Star is with every product launch, we try to find an upcycled ingredient that we can patent on the farm. So the same is true with this next launch. So lots of hey. happening. <laughs> Very exciting. And the products you have today, it's the plum oil and the plum screen. Yes. Plum oil and plum screen. I think both are performing really well. People seem to really love them. I think our plum oil is obviously the hero. It had its amazing little viral moment in 2020, which set the stage for us. So Chrissy Teigen basically said, I'm obsessed with this oil that my, was it her makeup artist gave it to her in her kit? Yeah. So we met Nova Kaplan. She was the makeup artist at a trade show in like 2018. And she didn't really have like a big celebrity client list. But we just really got along well with her. So we kept sending her product for her kit. Like we would send her minis. And then one night I got a message and someone was like, oh my God, I think Chrissy's talking about your plum oil. It's, it was like an unlabeled mini. I looked at her Instagram and she didn't actually call out the product names. I was like, oh my God, missed opportunity. I'm so sad. And then cut to like a week later, I wake up and it, she had talked about the whole thing. And yeah, so that was fun. <laughs> that is amazing. That's amazing. And also just goes to show when you build relationships with people and they organically like your product, incredible things can happen. So we met earlier when I first, first moved to LA, we met for this very glamorous drink at Sunset Tower. And I'm asking you, I'm saying, okay, so I love the plum oil so much. And my father-in-law in Turkey, I was talking to him about the plum oil because, you know, I always have lots of skincare with me when I travel. And he said, how many plums does it take to get enough oil to fill like an entire glass jar of plum oil? And I said, that is such a great question. And I stored it in the back of my mind. And I was like, when I see Allison next, I'm going to ask her. So the backstory around Le Prunier and how you were able to get even these like... When I asked you that question, it unlocked this whole backstory behind the brand Le Prunier and how you were able to get even these like plum kernels to create this oil that I was completely unaware of. So tell me about how you figured out you could create this product with your sisters. So yeah, quick answer to that question. There are 250 kernels in every single bottle. So that's cold pressed kernel. When you open the actual pit of the plum, there's a tiny kernel the size of your pinky. So we really, it's a very labor intensive process that we've lovingly created we basically, I mean, long story short, we were raised on a fourth generation family farm that was founded by our great grandfather in 1916. It really evolved over the years. I mean, it started out with just peaches and apples and walnuts. 
And then in the eighties, my dad really had the foresight to, he ended up just ripping out all of the orchards and planting plums and prunes because most of what we grow is actually exported overseas into Europe and Korea and Japan. Is there a high demand for plums in these markets? Yes, surprisingly so. Yes. Um, I think the Asian culture really highly regards the plum as a super fruit. And it, you know, was kind of like the reason why we were really heavily influenced by it. We used to travel with him as teenagers on these business trips and just kind of sitting in on meetings and realizing how this fruit that was held to such a high regard in these countries really wasn't thought of as such here in the United States. People really think of it as like the laxative fruit. And although it is, it has these incredible benefits, digestive benefits. We knew that there was more to it. So yeah, we wanted to dig into the science and look at the byproducts because we were really paying people to come to the farm and remove truckloads of seeds. And they were, you know, my dad's like, I don't know what to do with this. This is waste. You know, we're going to give it to someone to do what they will. But like my sister really had the foresight. She approached him and was like, hey, let us buy the byproducts. And then she spent two and a half years testing essentially the cold pressed oil. That's how it all came together. (laughs) That's just so fascinating to me that you kind of grow up around this family business. You see these plums being grown and then you just see like essentially truckloads of pits being hauled out. And then your sister thinks, okay, actually, maybe there's something that we can do with these pits. Now, what was your awareness of plum oil as a beauty treatment before you began this business? I think we collectively saw a white space. We knew that oils were kind of starting to really catch on. I think people had been very apprehensive about using them. And even when she approached me and she was like, hey, look, this is what we formulated I think the initial idea was like potentially to launch it as an ingredient to sell to like Estee Lauder or L'Oreal. And my background is more of the branding creative. So I was like, let's start a brand and really tell this story. But I didn't use a ton of oils at the time. And I think I started using it. I got hooked. Like I was a believer. And I think we really had to create the market for plum oil. I had never seen it in any any other products. And, um, you know, now there's some other competitors, but I think it's really flattering. I'm like, okay, we've done somewhat of a good job here. Like people recognize it now as this formidable ingredient and I'm happy to see it grow. That was kind of the goal. I was like, I want to rebrand the plum. (laughs) Yes. I love that. Was plum oil widely used in Asia? Is it something that like is more commonly found in Asian beauty treatments? I mean, I think the ingredient is a little bit more commonly found there, but the interesting thing is, so we did a trade show there like early days, like 2017 before we even went to uh, Indie Beauty Expo with prototype packaging. And it's funny, like you meet with these older men in the industry that are kind of advising you and they're like, oh, you know, people are not going to like this because of the scent. Wait, the scent is literally my favorite part of the plum oil experience. It's a natural scent. I mean, there's no fragrance in it, but it like, it reminds me of like a very, very not cloyingly sweet marzipan, but there's like this kind of like nice dessert quality to it. For sure. Everybody has like a lovely nostalgic story to tell us. It's so heartfelt and like, oh, my grandma used to make this cookie and et cetera. It's really cute. So I don't know. I feel like we heard that advice and we were like, oof, if we want to make it, you know, in these, these markets, maybe we need, he was like, you should remove the scent. But when we did that, it was crazy how low the antioxidant count dropped. So we were like, no, we're not touching this. We're leaving it alone. It's mother nature doing her her finest. We're leaving it alone. <laughs> I'm happy you kept the formulation as it was. So I'm kind of on this journey of trying to make my approach to skincare more sustainable. And I love the idea of looking at brands that are taking byproducts and making product out of the byproduct. 
In what other ways is Le Prunier sustainable? I feel like that's kind of something that is really rooted in our brand and has been in the family brand for generations. So specifically on the farm, we recently invested in a herd of sheep. We have these beautiful little dorper sheep that run around and they eat the cover crops. So, you know, from that angle, it's really good because we cut down on our machinery use. So, you know, we're just looking at ways to really lower our impact on the environment and our land is completely organic. It's something we really pride ourselves on. And we're also solar operated. So we have been for the last 15 years. That is very helpful as well. And then we look at packaging, of course, you know, everything is FFC certified, recyclable. We primarily lean towards glass. You know, it's tough to find the droppers that are not, there's no plastic involved whatsoever. But like, I think the biggest takeaway for us is just always strive to improve. No one's ever going to be perfect 100% of the time. And I think when people come out the gates and say, we're zero waste, it's like you're creating a product to sell. (laughs) We're like contributing in some way or shape to consumerism. So we just have a healthy dose of reality in that. So we're doing our best. And also, I mean, I think about the fact that you've been pretty deliberate about having various skews, right? I mean, I think about what April does at Vintner's Daughter, right? She was very, okay, this is the one facial oil I'm doing, then she did the essence and now she has a cleanser. But, you know, a lot of brands launch and they're successful and like they would have had a plum oil shampoo, conditioner, body wash. I mean, they would have had everything within a year of the company growing. Are you also kind of taking a point of view about not flooding the market with just various products just because you can? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I think for us, it's all about intentional strategy. And I think like my sisters and I, I think we have very pared down routines that we've never... Now that I'm in the skincare industry, of course, I'm trying things much more frequently. But I really... For us, Le Prunier was about creating something that was family-friendly. Everyone could use this in the family. Yes. I use it for my son. Yeah. We really wanted to create multifunctional, very gentle yet effective products. We don't need a, a line of 10 SKUs to accomplish what one or two really solid ones can you know, and also we're self-funded. So we were like, let's just grow this really slowly and sustainably and not make mistakes with 10 products. Let's, let's start out with one and see what we can do. Yes. Yes. I'm happy you brought up gentle, but effective. What changes can people expect to see from just using plum oil? Our younger sister, Elaine has eczema, and this has been the single product that could really it's really helped to calm and reduce any inflammation, um, help to nourish just just honestly alleviate any itchiness and pain. So that was something for her when she first started trying it. She was like, oh my gosh, we, you know, we approached the eczema association and we were like, this is something you should share with your community. And we have a really strong following in that community now. I think even like Jackie's youngest, so her son had this weird when he was born, he had like a little condition on his scalp and it was really itchy and irritating for him. And she put the oil on and it just immediately calmed it. And it was something the doctors were like, oh, you know, you can apply these topical ointments. She's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use the the oil. And I, I think if you struggle with acne, if you have oily skin, there's a misperception that you can't use this product. I think it just genuinely helps to balance the pH levels in your skin and just really add a glow. Yes. I love to mix it with... I have a foundation that I like, but it's on the matte side for me. And I actually mix a few drops in my foundation and it always like looks so beautiful. I use it at night. Also, I feel like people don't really take to heart how important it is to take skincare, like you say, down to the nipples, but like neck, clavicle, like 
a few drops of the plum oil rubbed in after a shower. Like, yes, I love it. I love it. It's a fabulous product. And so is it so nourishing for the skin because of those antioxidants? What specifically is in the plum kernel that makes it this like powerhouse? Sure. Yeah. So antioxidants for sure. It's actually six and eight times stronger than argan and marula oil at defending against hydroxyl radical damage, UV rays, pollutants, things like that. And then really rich in polyphenols, omega fatty acids, and we've got provitamin A and vitamin E as well. So super, super nourishing, very hydrating and moisturizing. Yes. But your product is just a single ingredient, correct? Right. Yeah. So plum oil is the single ingredient. And what really like stood out to us in the very beginning from our preliminary testing was that it's an SPF 10. We do not put that on packaging. You have to be very careful about that, but the testing stands. So that really kind of was the light bulb moment, if you will, when we were like, okay, let's look at the plum from an SPF perspective and put on that lens. And so that's kind of why we launched Plum Screen Next. I don't think people expected that, but it was just kind of an obvious yeah, move for us. <laughs> yes. Selfishly, if I can like pitch something for R&D, I feel like a bar soap with plum oil would be wonderful because it already smells amazing. And, you know, we're having this whole talk about sustainability. I am trying to use bar soap over just plastic consumption, you know? So what do you do to just in your everyday life as a consumer do to kind of like live more sustainably? Because I'm like, as I talk to people about this topic, I'm like taking every tip I can get. There's so much to be done. And I think it's just like, you know, making the small decisions in your day-to-day life, like not using plastic, don't drink out of plastic bottles. I, you know, do my little refill cups. I, that's like, I carry that thing around with me everywhere. And then looking at multifunctional products, really like trying to just pare my routine down and, you know, oh gosh, there's, there's so many things to be done. I mean, I compost also from like food that I'm cooking and I do a little bit of that at home. I don't know. It's, it's an evolution. It's an evolution. We're all on the journey together. I think being mindful is one of the very first things that's starting to be the change. Are there any brands that you think are doing an amazing job with sustainability or just brands that you buy that you are like just excited to support? I really love, I mean, I think Tata Harper was just like the pioneer that kind of paved the way for all of us. So I'm loving the recyclable, the refill packaging that she's using. That's great. You know, as far as makeup brands, I've recently adopted Ilia into my routine and that's been nice. I love their like serum and then Crown Affair. I'm obsessed. I use that in my hair all the time. There's another brand that's doing something really interesting in the hair space called Everest. And they're doing, it's like a, yes. you know, that brand. Yeah. They have the concentrates, the waterless concentrates. Yes. I love their shampoo. I was feeling like a lot of buildup on my hair and I used it and I oh, I was really impressed with the results. So yes. Did you use the shampoo bar? I didn't. I used the, like the two, but the aluminum concentrate. Yeah. I think waterless products, I mean, you're essentially already working with a waterless product, but I feel like that's another big thing that I want to drive more awareness about for people because so much of what you're paying for in skincare is just filler. And then some people get sticker shock when they see some more expensive products. It's like, you have to also realize that there's no filler. Like you're just getting, like when you're buying Le Premier, what's your retail price? $98. Is that correct? 72, uh, 78 for the SPF. So 72 for the oil though. 72 for the oil. Okay. In my head, I was thinking 98. So already we're at a mental savings, 72. And the sunscreen is 78. Yes. 78 for sunscreen. That is a steep price. It is a beautiful sunscreen. It's definitely like a luxury product. But I also think so much of our idea of luxury, I feel like is going to change in the years ahead. Like I think about is Chanel skincare luxury or is something that is like 
holds pressed and farmed with like these beautiful sheep eating your crops. Is that the luxury experience? You know, like I do think that that we have to also have some like perception shifts about what is worth paying and what you're paying for and what's like really considered luxury skincare. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we're such hands-on founders. We are at the farm on a monthly basis. I mean, I live in Southern California most of the time, but you know, we're all up there and we're checking in on things and it's a much more, it's just a family operated business. You know, the attention to detail is really there and we pride ourselves on it. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It was great to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. That was today's episode. I hope that you loved this conversation. I hope that it sparked some ideas for you or maybe introduced you to some new brands that you hadn't been aware of before. I'm really excited to be learning all about how to be a more conscious beauty consumer with you all this month. And I'll be back next week with a new episode. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.